Hi, and welcome to the We Need Roads podcast. And are you telling me you made a time machine out of a DeLorean? I'm your host, Neil Gregory, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, David Long. How's it going, David? Hey, man. Yeah, it was going all right, man, until I got home and uh, my girlfriend started having a go at me because I never buy her flowers. <sighs> I, made, I didn't even know she sold flowers. Was that a joke, David? Was that another terrible joke? Did you not Did you not read the script where it clearly says, in parenthesis, please do not do another bad joke, David? There's one person. Well, they haven't left us any comments on any of our socials, David, so uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Also, uh, we could potentially put it up as a poll on Twitter. I think that's the thing. Should David do jokes? Yes or no? And, you know, the most votes, then if... We'll leave it up to the Twitterverse, man. That's what we'll do. So, in this week's episode, we're going to go DCU and MCU heavy with reactions to James Gunn's The Suicide Squad trailer and the news that the Best Director nominee for Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell, is in talks to direct Satana for DC. Also, we're going to take a minorly spoilerly look, I don't even think they're words, at the first few episodes of Marvel's Falcon and the Winter Soldier in our What We've Been Watching section. And for our main feature today, we're going to be delving deep into the Snyder Cut of Justice League and debating the merits of the Snyderverse and the future of DC's filmic universe. News. So, first up in our news section, we have the first trailer for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, which, as we all know, only happened because... Deep breath. He was fired by Disney for a bad taste joke he made many years ago that they were aware of when they hired him, and he'd already apologised for in the past. Yet, he went on a talk show, slagged off Donald Trump, and a right-wing online hate mob took a little bit of offence, slagged him off, uh, for slagging off Trump and then tried to get him fired by Disney. Disney buckled and then they fired Gunn. Then there was an immediate backlash from the Guardians of the Galaxy fans, cast and crew who all didn't have a bad word to say about working with Gunn and the cast wrote a letter publicly defending him. Well, while this whole hubbub was going on, DC backed up the money truck to Gunn and pretty much offered him a slew of projects, including Superman. Now imagine that, Snyder fans, a James Gunn Superman. And Gunn ultimately decided he wanted to make a sequel to The Suicide Squad. Can you imagine the DC execs thinking, OK, we just offered him any property he wants and he wants to do a sequel to The Suicide Squad? Well, I think the reason why is the first Suicide Squad was... A total disaster and amid stories of studio interference. And having said that, once again, the internet is now demanding the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. Yeah, no one wants that. No one wants no that. One wants no that. one wants yeah. that internet. No one, no one wants that. I mean, it had a great trailer, but it absolutely failed on every level from Leto's terrible tatted up Joker. And of course, the insistence that Will Smith's character is more of a lead than an ensemble. I mean, I suppose the only bright spot I could think of was, hey, at least Joy Courtney was good in a film for the first time as Captain Boomerang. But Gunn has touted this as his superhero version of the Dirty Dozen, and yes, folks, it's going to be blood-spattered and R-rated. Cast-wise, Will Smith's Deadshot was set to be recast by Idris Elba, but the decision was made to change the character to Bloodshot, which I guess is essentially the same thing. Before you get on at me, I don't really know the character. Um, to Bloodshot, basically so that Smith could return in the future if he wanted. Returning from the first films, Joy Courtney's Captain Boomerang, Viola Davis's Amanda Waller, Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flagg, and of course, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. New characters include, and deep breath once again, John Cena's Peacemaker, who has his own prequel HBO Max show coming out, ex-Doctor Who Peter Capaldi as The Thinker, Alice Bragger as Sol Sora, Saturday Night Live comedian Pete Davidson as Blackguard, Guardians alumni Michael Rooker as Savant, Mei Ling Ng as Mongol, Nathan Fillion as TDK, The Detaching Kid, or more commonly known as Arm Fall-Off Man. Yes, that's a real character. Ratcatcher 2, played by Daniela Melchior. 
King Shark, voiced by the one and only Sylvester Stallone. Weasel, which, I mean, Jesus Christ, man, it's a man-sized weasel licking a window. You have Flula Borg as Javelin. And last but definitely not least, David Delsmachian as Polka Dot Man. So, David, what do you make of it all? Bravo, Neil. You should, you should... I need, I need a drink after all that. <laughs> no, yeah, you go, you go take yourself five minutes. Okay, so the trailer, yeah, it was good. The uh, What I'm mostly worried about, though, that the first Suicide Squad film had a good trailer. You know, Bohemian Rhapsody playing whilst they're all, like, you know, bitten, broken out of jail or whatever. Um, that that trailer went down like f- f- like fire. Everyone was like, boom, yes, Suicide Squad, oh, man, it looks so awesome. And now this one's come out and it's like, boom, yes, everything looks so awesome. And I feel like, you know, it's a bit too familiar for me. Right. <laughs> I, I, I think we're going to go down the set. Like, I'm, I'm not, not that I think it's going to happen because I think James Gunn's a much better, better, <coughs> better fitted to bring the Suicide Squad to life but I'm like you know what there's that there's that little niggle in my head that's like you know what it's all a bit too familiar a really good trailers dropped we've had this before and it turned out to be complete dog shit this is a James Gunn film not a David Ayer film and with how we know that Gunn is great at these type of films you know Guardians and like I said this looks like Guardians of the Galaxy but R-rated with swearing and lots of people exploding and I'm totally there for that the one complaint and the, the thing that people don't like about the trailer and the thing people like about the trailer is ex- exactly the same thing. It feels like a more bloody, sweary version of Guardians. So if you don't want that, don't watch it. If you do like that, and I'm sure there's loads of us that do like that. Yeah, who wouldn't want that? Guardians who want, well, <laughs> but, uh, uh, again, one of, the criti- one of the criticisms was, oh, here, here comes the 70s soft rock music and slow-mo. I don't, yeah, do you know what, though? I don't care because it works. When you see all these musical montages in Snyder stuff, you're like, oh, it's so dark and serious. This was funny. And he, he picks great music. And it's not on the nose. He picks great stuff that works. But my personal trailer highlights so far are Harley Quinn. I mean, I love the fact that she gets upset. They big, big, big um, plan to save her. And she just wanders out covered in blood. And she's upset that they don't get a chance to save her. She's like, well, I can go back in and then you can I save can me. go back in if you like. <laughs> Don't don't do the voice. That's, Sorry, that's that was bad. That was a bad Harley Quinn take. That was. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but it looks like we're going to get a new team joining up with the members of the old team because you see the bit where uh, Michael Rooker's character Savant is getting recruited and she's he's getting the whole. Yep, you get a bomb put in your neck, and if you don't do what we say, your head blows up. So it looks like they're going to retcon the mess of the first film a little bit there. And Weasel looking to win. I think Weasel is going to be like the Rocket Raccoon of this film. Yeah, well, we don't even know if he talks King, yet. King Shark steals the trailer, right? Yeah. Num, 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 and he rips a guy in half. And, yeah, I think Weasel will be the one that steals the film. I'm going to say it well, now. I, King Shark steals the trailer. I reckon mm. Weasel, because they didn't show really anything to do with Weasel, aside from him licking the window and yeah. like walking a bit. There's no, they, it, we, don't, we barely see him. Again, that's what I like about the trailer. It doesn't give everything away. You look already, and the banter you see in the trailer between everyone, it's fun. It is actually funny. It's entertaining. I mean, Idris Elba's, for fuck's sake, and Polka Dot Man seems to just be a manic depressive. He's like, we're all going to die. I hope so. That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. One of the best bits of the trailer. I would say surprising, but he's been quite funny in quite a few things already. John Cena's bag of dicks monologue was just awesome. Like, go go eat a bag of dicks. And he's like, I would eat every dick on this island if it helped. You know, I was like, that's brilliant. That's like, I just can't wait for that. And of course, right near the end of the trailer, we see what may be the villain. 
where they go, it's a kaiju. Yep, it's Starro, who is a real character, a giant alien starfish, potentially could be the bad guy. So... To just jump on your John Cena thing as well, like to yeah. see John Cena talking about dicks or like that, like doing anything to eat your dicks, it's so like against everything that he's built his character up to be in WWE, who is like the face of everything, like the good guy. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> spend like, your whole see, career doing that. You probably want to talk about eat, like, eat, eating dicks. Eating dicks. It's like, <laughs> it's like he, now he must relish it as well, yeah, being able to play can... a character that's not the goody two shoes of the franchise. And... They've obviously had that much fun with the character. He's got his own prequel show on HBO Max coming out. So it's going to be a Peacemaker TV show. And, of course, we still know he could die in it because it's a prequel show. So um, that's great. I mean, I mean, yeah, like they all, everyone looks like they're having fun in it, man. And he, this guy knows how to do team-up films, right? He knows how to do them. I, I think he's in a safe pair of hands. And do you know what? For everyone saying about how Snyder's Justice League is the best DCU film at the minute... James Gunn has just loudly proclaimed, hold my beer, because this looks violent, bloody and fun. Do you remember that? It doesn't need to be dark and brooding. It can be bright, colourful and fun. And this is what this film looks like. And I can't wait for it, man. Do you remember the other Suicide Squad trailer? That looked fun, yeah. Neil. That looked violent and bloody. Uh, yeah, but that was directed and by David Ayer. Got. Yeah, that was directed by David Ayer, who'd never done a superhero film before. This I'm is his guys. More, I'm feeling a lot more confident. This could technically be Gunn's third superhero film. Because he's done the two um, Guardians films. But did you ever see one of his earlier films called Super with Rain Wilson from The Office? Yeah, 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 I have, yeah. And uh, uh, Elliot Page in it. Yeah, Uh, yeah. That was awesome, man. Just a guy who's got mental problems who thinks he's a superhero. So he's already done a superhero film. And in other DC news, the ongoing and seemingly no closer to being finished Flash movie, which is now being directed by It's Andy Machete, has cast Derry Girls... Sarisa Monica Jackson in an unnamed role, and after a bit of ramping speculation, I reckon she could be our new Caitlin Snow Killer Frost. And it's been recasting the Hoy for this project as well, with a new Supergirl being played by Sasha Kelly, meaning no big screen iteration of Melissa Benoit's yeah, how many, how many version of the character. How many Supergirls have we got now? Um, Currently well, playing TV... the character right now. I think the, new, the, the Supergirl TV show will be finished by the time this version, of the movie, new movie version comes out. Uh, Ron Livingston is going to be replacing Billy Crudup as Henry Allen uh, but probably the most interesting casting about with this film that I'd initially forgotten about and what makes me most excited for the project is Michael Keaton coming back to the role of Bruce Wayne Batman over 30 years later now without knowing the plot of the film the casting of Keaton suggests we're going to be heading into multiverse territory once again and this will most likely be a big screen version of the famous Flashpoint storyline now my only issue with this is the Flash TV show had a stellar first couple of seasons where they tackled that story, albeit on a TV budget, but it was really well done, but it was really well done over almost 40 hours of TV storytelling. And now they're going to try and shoehorn it all into a two-hour movie. David, your thoughts? If Keaton comes back as Batman, do we know he's playing Batman or is he, do we just know he's cast? Well, he's gonna, yeah, I, I think it's going to be Batman Bruce Wayne. It's not 100%, 100% but um, yeah, I'm fairly certain he's going to be playing him. If he comes back as Batman, that will blow fans' minds. Uh, we, we mentioned it in the in our previous episode where we talked about Spider-Man and the whole multiverse of Spider-Man's being brought in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it would it would blow fans' minds. But like, I bet you it's one of those fake where he's not going to be playing anyone or anything to do with Batman. He's going to be like a taxi driver or something. I think you're totally wrong, man. I reckon he... We, we're, we're gonna, <laughs> if he is, it would, it would be... He totally will be. What's going to happen is... Well, brief bit about the Flashpoint storyline is... He goes back in time to try and save his mother from being murdered and prove that his dad didn't kill his mother. 
and who expose who the real villain is. I reckon in one of these alternate realities, one, it creates a multiverse for the DC, which lets them go off and do all these other things they want to do. But also, we then get to see the reality of Michael Keaton's character from the original Burton film from 89. So he's definitely going to be Batman in it, man. If, we go, if, we, if, if, that, if that is how it happens, then yeah, wow. Yeah, bravo. I mean, right. you could take my money right now. And in the last part of our DC news, it's the news that Best Director nominee Emerald Fennell of Promising Young Woman fame is in talks with DC to write their Zantana movie. Although it isn't confirmed yet if she's also directing the film, though after Promising Young Women, I think DC would be crazy not to give her the keys to the kingdom on this one. So, what do we know about Zantana? Well, Zantana is a stage magician and an actual magician in the comics. Known for speaking her spells backwards, uh, she's been involved with the Justice League and was retconned into a childhood friend of Batman and was also a romantic partner of John Constantine. And, and bar from what I've read off Wikipedia, I really hadn't heard of her much before, if I'm to be honest. Apparently the character did appear for three seasons in Smallville, played by Inhumans actor Sarinda Swan. But you know what, I watched that show and I could not even remember the character. So clearly they didn't make much of an impression. Didn't, yeah, didn't, didn't leave much on you there. No, no. Um, but so, Marvel's gone all in on their magical characters with Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. Um, so I wonder if this is going to be DC's attempt at doing a similar magic-based storyline character and finally bringing in the big screen version of John Constantine in the DCU. Hmm, would we ever get Keanu Reeves back for that, do we think? I mean, it'd be cool. I feel like we're hoping to see previous characters that we've seen in other films way too much in the DCU. Like Keanu Reeves back, we're going to get... We're going to get Batman back. Well, I mean, no, no one wants uh, Val Kilmer Batman back or George Clooney. Or George Clooney, yeah. No, no, no one needs Nipplebat back. Yeah. I feel, are, we, are we just hoping to see all these people back, what, for like nostalgia purposes, but we don't want them to build anything new? Yeah, it's a strange one in that. I mean, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm just joking with Keanu coming back. I think he's too busy shooting everything in sight. You know? oh, yeah, I, know, I knew you were joking with that, but still. <laughs> In a way, it does look like Zantana could be like their kind of version of Scarlet Witch. And if you look at DC and Marvel, there's always their version of that character. They each have their own versions of essentially the same character. I mean, um, I've seen Marvel's version of Aquaman called Neymar, the Mariner or something like that, which is a bit of a shit name. So they obviously need to kind of think how they wreck on that before they start doing Marvel underwater adventures or whatever the hell they do there. Last news item is that two films we've been banging on about for quite a while finally have UK release dates. The excellent and now Oscar-nominated Love and Monsters will be on Netflix this month from the 14th of April, and that's got a big recommendation for me and probably some of the best live dog acting you'll ever see in a film. <laughs> I want to see this Oscar-winning dog. The dog is called Boy, and that's what he'll say on his dog Oscar when he gets one. <laughs> And then, of course, the second film coming is Emerald Fennell's multiple award nominee and film of the moment, Promising Young Woman, starring Carrie Mulligan. And that's going to be dropping on Sky Cinema and Now TV on the 16th of April. It's about time we can get to finally see that. Well, I also also just been confirmed, very last minute, literally just saw this pop up, that as well, in the start of April, we're going to be getting The Sound of Metal, which is Riz, Riz Ahmed's um, multiple Oscar-nominated film as well. So they're all dropping them now. I'm a bit annoyed that Promising Young Woman's coming out on Sky Cinema because that means we're going to have to pay for another. It means we're going to have to pay for another month of Sky Cinema. I bought it. Try, watch, try saying that three times fast. I know. I try. I try well, I tried. I bought it to watch Justice League, and I literally that's all I bought it for, and then I cancelled it immediately. And I'm just we're just watching films on there just for the sake of it because we have it. But there's like we're paying for too many at the moment, and we need to sort of get rid of one. Um, and then and then, and and then probably the best film of the year comes along. Like, Fuck yeah! Like, Fuck sake! It'll take another seven ninety nine off me. What's, what happened to the days of when you'd pay like 10 quid to watch a film? Like just, you know, you go down Tesco's and buy 10 pounds to watch a film. And now you're like, oh, fucking hell, I've got to pay 7 99 a month to watch 50 films. 
Oh. Bastards, yeah. That's totally not getting value for money. <laughs> but still, when there's too many of them going on at once. Right, so well, that brings you into our new section for today. And on to what we've been watching. What to watch. And first up is on to the MCU's next TV offering, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if you haven't watched the first couple of episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, stop listening now, go and watch them, because we will be getting into plot spoilers and not every single thing to do with it, but we will be getting quite deep into what we've seen so far and our speculation on where we think the show is going to be going. So if you haven't seen the episodes yet, go and watch them and then come back to this part. Now, after the success of WandaVision, how does this one stack up, David? So from the two episodes I've seen so far... I'm not really enjoying it, Neil, if I'm honest with you. There's a lot of there's, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of issues I have with it. Uh, one of the action sequences in it, I think, are really poor. The villains in it are really poor. Why like why do we care about these terror like what are they eco-terrorists again? Kind of? No. Well are the political terrorists. They're super soldiers. Yeah, but yeah, but what kind of yeah, but what what what's, what are they trying to do? They're trying to recreate everything before it was the blip, right? They're trying to create one yeah. nation. So they're political terrorists. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, anyway, why, like, why, the, why do we care? Why do, we, why do I care? How, I think this is a problem that they're going to have with quite a lot of things, where they're going to go from a world-ending apocalyptic villain, which they've just fought, to everyday stuff. Yeah, just a couple of guys running around in the mask. Oh, we've got to do this retcon villain. Oh, there's this guy. Let's do this sort of, you know, all the stuff that we were seeing. I mean, the fun, the thing that made me laugh the most was, like you say, you've gone from these giant universe-destroying stakes with these characters to suddenly, oh, Sam hasn't got any money to pay for his sister's dad's boat. Two episodes in, you're three episodes, and you still say it's the same. Yeah, There's yeah, nothing yeah. that's building upon the universe as a whole, really. At I the mean, moment. Yeah. Not, not in a massive, not in a massive way. No, it's very insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And um, I mean, I'll run through a few more points. So first off, why, as ex Avenger, or as current Avengers, because Sam's in the military, how does he not have any money? Oh, don't, oh, don't even get me started. That entire storyline with the boat <laughs> and going to the bank and them being like, oh, well, surely you guys got paid. Oh, you know, it's just goodwill. What the fuck? What would they? What? What? what they just. Uh, David, David, you went that high. Only, only dolphins can hear you now. <laughs> I feel like they just came up with that excuse to come up with a reason why they can't afford this boat, which we don't even. Like, why do we care about this boat and this family business? We yeah, don't. Yeah, we don't it's... give a shit about these people in this family business. Why, I don't well, give cause... a shit if they have this boat or not. They're they're trying to give you a bit of background to the character. It didn't. You know what, Neil? I weren't a fan of that uh, line. So I actually, we slagged off the action scenes. I didn't think they would happen. I thought, I thought the opening episode one helicopter action scene was really well done. That was on par with movie quality. I think that was that was um, decent. It wasn't on par with movie quality. It was just below, but it was it was decent. My only problem I had with that entire sequence was the why the frick was there a guy running running commentary military team on the ground just driving for no fucking reason? Well, were they just there as a taxi service? They might as well have just had Uber. Had an Uber driver follow you. And like, oh, pick me up when I'm done. Yeah, it's probably better to make him like a, a an army guy than an Uber driver, man. Just, just you know, better. That entire, why have him on the ground doing nothing and just like, woo, yeah, you did it, man. Good, yeah. And that annoyed, it just annoyed me straight off the bat. I was a bit, yeah. I went into it and then I went into the rest of the episode with a negative attitude. But if something doesn't start strong for me, I'm already going to walk into it and I'm going to start picking on little things which will start really bugging me. Yeah. Are you sure you don't need to clamber back on your soapbox? I'll probably okay. I'll go back. I will. I'll, so, I'll be back on it a few times. Also, there's only going to be six episodes of the show. show's called Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 
and they're not even together in the same scene in the first episode. So I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to we'll give you a bit of backstory on Bucky. We'll give you a backstory on Sam. Sam's backstory with his family is terrible. Um, as we've gone over. Stop, stop, stop. Yep, okay. Soapbox. Yeah. I'm going to say, why do we care again? With Bucky, right? So we get this nice thing where he's helping out this old fella and goes out on a date. Bucky on a date was like, you know, that's fine. Nice enough scene. One thing I did like is how he hides his metal arm from everything. You know, he doesn't want people to know who he is. Oh, well, well there you go. That's, you like something about it, which is nice. The, the thing with Bucky is he killed Stark's parents in, uh, we find out, in Civil War. He killed a lot of people. So when at the end of this episode, we find out he killed Yuri, the old guy's son, I'm sorry, it's no, the stakes, like we said earlier, the stakes aren't high enough for us to really care. Oh, well, he's going to have to tell this old fella. To make us care about certain characters, they need to create that, and they didn't do it. But they do do that. They do do that with, at the very end of the show, when we get intro to our new Captain America, John Walker. And right at the start of episode two, because immediately whenever we get a new Captain America, you're like, we're all going to hate this guy. He's going to be a dick. And he has that very punchable face already. But what makes it work? What makes it work is, oh wait, he's happy. But he's, he's he's happily married. He seems like a good soldier. So they already try and humanise him a little bit. By the end of the second episode, you can just see that the veil is just slowly peeling away from him, just a little bit. Um, I mean, episode two, finally we get the two characters together. It's not done in any great way. They just kind of rock up at each other's places and we're like, oh, okay. Di the dialogue between the two of them was quite poor. They were trying yeah, to do like this. The, the, they didn't bounce cut. off each other. Yeah. They didn't bounce off each other, you know, like like bad boys, you know, like where you've got two characters and they'll just dialogue will naturally flow and bounce. I think the best thing from the episode two is it was a very, very timely real world commentary with the police stopping Sam and Bucky's street argument and the whole thing of asking Sam for his ID. I mean, obviously, but that was very well done. I was like, oh, Marvel are going to get political here. And yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. That was good. Later on, we meet Isaiah Bradley, who was uh, we find out was one of the original super soldiers. But. He was a black super soldier who was given the serum, experimental serum, before they gave it to the white soldiers and then just left uh, left, and chucked away and forgotten about. So, you know, they I really hope they explore his, his story so far is the most interesting thing in it that I'd seen. And I'd love for them to explore that. Definitely, although I'm a little bit annoyed as well that they've introduced this character all of a sudden, but then been like, well, where the f like if Bucky knew he existed, then surely other people... Yeah, but he wanted to be left alone. Remember, that's the whole thing. He tells him to get out, and he does. But how? But when Bruce Banner was trying to recreate the Super Soldier Serum, which I'm mm -hmm. I'm ninety percent sure that's what he was trying to do when he turned into the Hulk, how yeah. did he not know that this person existed? Well, I got I, I got the answer to this one. I know this because at the time, right, Shield was at, being run by Hydra, so all the dodgy Hydra shit that was being done, probably Shield didn't know about. So. It's very easy for them to hide stuff. And come on, there was secret thing under secret thing in that. Yeah, I mean, so, maybe, maybe. I, well, I don't know. I just, also, I'd like to know why. <laughs> I mean, it would have made Banner's job a lot easier. But here's the thing, right? We're now, we're now to coming towards the end of the second episode. And I still don't know where the show's going. What's the main storyline? So you've got these very underwritten, poorly cast bad guys, the Flag Smashers, who we still don't really care much. They're it, even the worst name for bad guys. But here's the thing. They're not even, already they're trying to humanise them. 
and go, oh, but they're trying to help refugees. And yeah, they have a cause behind what they're trying to do. You, exactly. and trying to, so, they're trying to do the whole Thanos thing. Like, oh, you can understand why they're trying to do this because it makes dude, sense. Dude, do not compare the Flag Smashers to Thanos. That's what, that's <laughs> not, I'm not comparing them to Thanos. You literally just did. Yeah, no, but what, what the writers yeah, are trying no, but... to do is the same for the villains. It's the same thing that we had with Thanos where you can empathise with the villain. They're trying to create empathy towards the Flag Smashers. Yeah, and it's, it's just point. fallen like fucking off a cliff for me at the moment. Right, again, only six episodes for this whole show. And there's no Sharon Carter yet. She's supposed to be back in it as well. I mean, what's going to happen? That's going to be really funny. I mean, does she know what happened to Steve Rogers? Does she know what happened to Captain America? Oh, yeah, by the way, who, like, is Bucky going to go, oh, yeah, by the way, he went back in time and banged your grandma and stayed there. That's going to be a conversation when that turns up. I mean, we didn't know what happened to her at all. And uh, like you mentioned earlier as well, the, the worst crime this show commits in episode two is they forget all the side storylines from episode one. All the stuff to do with Yuri, Bucky's date, Yuri's son, uh, Falcon's money problems, not mentioned at all. All the stuff that you didn't care about wasn't brought up in episode two, which, quite frankly, I was quite pleased about that because we, I didn't care about it in the first place. But then it didn't make any fucking sense as to why you wouldn't bring it up again yeah. because they they tried they they spent what like twenty minutes. It, it's probably not that long, but it just well, no like between it. the two of them, they've probably spent twenty oh. minutes between the two storylines trying to make you care about these sort of people, and then just. Not like they've just cut them all together from the show. So in episode three, we finally get to see Zemo, and Zemo's been up in prison since he, you know, basically manipulated all the events of uh, Civil War. Uh, which you know he was one of the better villains we had in the MCU because he didn't have any powers, and he pretty much did exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to destroy the Avengers and make them all pay, and he did. He he was one of the only villains that succeeded. Yeah, and he was he was very very good actor, Daniel Brühl. He was very good as Zemo. And in this one, um, as we know, at the end of episode two, they have to go to Zemo, and because he might know where someone has got something to do with the fight. I think it's a serum, but like I was again, I was already zoning out because it was boring. I mean, uh, one thing I did, I thought they did very well though. At the start of the third episode is when Bucky's like, "No, I'm going to go in alone to see him," and Sam's like, "Well, that's not a good idea. He could just say, you know, a word, and you could go schizo again." And he's like, oh, no, no, that's not going to happen. And I'm like, oh, is he? Is he? And literally the first thing that Zemo does when Bucky walks in, he just reels off all the words. And like, Bucky's like, yeah, cool, bro. No, it doesn't work anymore. So I was like, oh, okay. So, but I mean, I, I didn't, that was the worst thing I was dreading was that he would then say those words, Bucky would go on a killing spree, free him, we'd have evil Bucky, and then, and that would be the whole show. And it's not that. It's I not love that cool Bucky back. Cool Bucky. Bucky is seriously suffering from like White Ranger at the moment. You know when white, like Green Ranger white became White Ranger and then no one gave a shit about White Ranger because White Ranger was never as cool as Green Ranger. But what I do like is that Bucky says, look, we need to get Zemo out of prison. And like Sam's like, no, that's a terrible idea. And he's like, yeah, but we need to do it because of A, B, C and D. And this is explaining it. We're seeing the plan happen. So it's a great device to cut down on the time. And then uh, it's like, Sam's like, no, that's a terrible idea. I don't want anything to do with it. And then like Zemo just walks up to him. He's like, right, should we get in my flash German car then? Right. And well, suddenly... Okay, that's how it cuts. So it's just like, that's a terrible yeah. idea, but they've already done it. And uh, honestly, Zemo is the best bit of the episode, man. Everyone's like, oh, I thought you was rotting in a prison somewhere. He's like, yeah, you know, got out. And he's got like, he's got his private plane. And Sam's like, have you got all this money? He's like, well, I'm a baron. I was like rich before I went to prison. So like, he's got his butler and everything, man. And like, I was kind of harsh on it, but I think Zemo, now the more I think about it. Also, you'll see this one gift from this episode where they go to this nightclub to like speak to the power broker. But you've got Zemo dancing in the club to techno, which is kind of funny. Uh, so you can see that awkward 40-year-old man that you see in clubs that's sort of just dancing on his own and eyeing up all the younger women. You've just described any 40-year-old man in a club. 
That is also, you can see that GIF on our Twitter because I posted it this morning because it's brilliant. But we finally also get Sharon Carter back. And apparently things have not gone well for her since the events of Civil War. So she's now a fugitive on the run from the American government and can't go home. And she's working as some kind of art thief, I think, in... Oh, there's a whole made-up Asian country that's essentially Hong Kong, but not, called Madripoor. So you've got a fake Asian country. So there's this big shootout in the docks, and uh, Sharon Carter apparently can kill every assassin who's coming to get them <laughs> one by one. And um, then there's the bit where Zemo looks like he's going to escape. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Zemo's back. He puts his mask on. I was like, yep, yeah, cool. Zemo's going to, like, totally fuck these guys over now. And no, he just gets back in the car with him. I was like, oh... That's a bit of an anticlimax. So I guess Zemo's a, not a good guy now, but he's working with them. But didn't Zemo kill Black Panther's dad? Surely that's got to come into it somehow, right? I feel, I feel like that's probably been forgotten about, unless they go to Wakanda for some reason. So the, the final twist spoiler in episode three of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is Ayu, who is the second in command of the Wakandan guard, turns up going, where is Zemo? So now we've got Wakanda involved. Okay, okay, okay. I kind of wish I didn't hear that now. But yeah, oh, I wish I'd just seen that. Like, you know what? I, I know. Okay, yeah, whatever. It's big... not that big of a spoiler, no. so it's fine. But we're halfway through the show. We get, I think, one or maybe two scenes with the Flag Smashers. And this is bizarre, actually, because the main Flag Smasher uh, boss is a girl called Carly, who is English, uh, as the actress is, and also the character, apparently. And she's with some Australian or uh, Kiwi-sounding dude, again, but do you know what? It look it completely took me out of the show because they have this one scene where she's kind of trying to explain stuff and not be a total villain. And I was just like, I feel like I'm watching EastEnders or Coronation Street. It feels like I've dropped into a British... Bad soap opera. Yeah, it turns into... I'm in a British soap now because all that sheen and gloss and dynamic camera work and colour grades that they do with the Marvel stuff, we're in fucking Latvia with, two Engl- with a, sort of a British actor and it doesn't feel like the same show. I just it just really took me out of it. So again, like if you wanted it to be about Zemo escaping and the Wakandans coming after him and them needing him for something, you could have got to that a lot quicker than taking three episodes to do it, man. The only thing I can think is going forward is that they're going to do another season of this show, and yet at the, this point, I think people would rather see a second series of WandaVision, which isn't going to happen because of just the way the show is. It's so definitely a one and done for Wonder Vision. Uh, you compare the two, and it's so far miles in ahead. Wonder Wonder Vision was crazy good in comparison, but then again, I criticised the first two episodes or three episodes of Wonder Vision, and I really didn't like them. But if you're saying that the third episode is still not really established, what's bloody? It's st- it's just still all over the place, and it's three episodes left. And in episode three, the most charismatic and best characters in the show now are Sharon Carter and Zemo. I'd watch a Sharon Carter Zemo show. That would be much more entertaining because you've got rich Baron Playboy on the run around the world with uh, an art thief assassin. That's a much better show. An art thief? Well, I, I, she's, I, feel, I feel like she's... Again, I wasn't really paying attention because I was kind of zoning out. And I was also thinking, oh, Kong, Kong is up next. Do you know what? You, you watch it. You, there are bits you like and there's bits you won't. One of the major problems I have at the moment with Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the polish in the action sequences. They're trying to do Marvel movie-style action sequences on the budget that they've got for the TV, on a TV budget, and they're just not, it's not landing. So in episode two, the truck fight sequence, I honest to God think that was one of the, that was definitely the worst fight sequence, I think, in the whole MCU. I can't think of a worse one. 
I'm trying really hard off the top of my head now to think of something that was worse than that, and I can't. The the just it was really small things as well that just completely took me out of the action. Like they were driving at what these trucks that were going let's let's just let's just say fifty miles an hour, right? The like the, the character's hair was just wasn't even blowing. There was nothing. I I, I guarantee you, nine out of ten people aren't noticing things like that. I I fucking did. Do, 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 do they have super soldier serum in their hair? Is their hair <laughs> super thick that it just doesn't blow? Uh, stuff like that just really takes me out of the action. Oh, there's a lot of blowing going on from your end because I'm just hearing a lot of hot air. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Right, okay. I think I think we'll leave it there now because, um, well, I mean, you're you're in full on rant mode right now, and we're moving on to our main event, and our main event is dun, 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 the long awaited delve into the Snyder Cut. Main feature. We are not going to get into a direct side by side comparison with the Whedon version. Purely because none of us want to watch it again. Um, and people have done it on YouTube for us. Do you know what, though? I had such little interest in the Whedon version. I didn't even watch the videos telling me about the Whedon. I was just like, I don't want anything to do with it. I just want to watch Snyder's version without anything else reminding me of the shitty version. I, I only went afterwards and watched stuff to remind me of how they did it in, Joss, in the one Joss Whedon finished. So you went backwards. Cool. Right, so handily, though, the film in its four hours is split into a prologue, six chapters, and an epilogue. Or as I like to call it, a blatant attempt to get two more films from DC. So, first of all, um, also, the thing that bugged me, I don't know if we got this, uh, we definitely didn't get this in the UK on Sky, but in America, when it plays on HBO Max, the film says, as it starts, the film is presented in a 4 by 3 format to preserve the integrity of Zack Snyder's creative vision. I mean, Jesus Christ, man, that annoyed me at the start of the film. You talk about a little thing annoying you at the start of a show or a movie and it puts you in a bad mood. That pretentious shit annoyed the fuck out of me right at the start of it. Put you off. I was just like, oh, fuck off. It's not high art, man. You know, it's not high art. It's a superhero's... It's it's people in pants punching each other. The 4x3 didn't really annoy me so much. It annoyed me, like, for the first five minutes, I was a bit like, why is it in 4x3? I was kind of like, like I was I, I was missing. It was kind of right. like it was it was that moment where I was like playing with my telly. It was like, is my telly on the right yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but it was it was meant to be for the way free, and uh, apparently it's for that reason. Because it's his cre- integrity of his creative vision. Also, have you seen what else have they dropped in the last uh, week or two? Uh, again, we haven't got it in the UK, I don't think. But in the states, you can watch the film in black and white, the grey version. Hashtag justice is grey. Fuck off. I'm sorry. Good God. Justice is great. That stuff doesn't doesn't uh, that doesn't annoy me so much. I was a bit like, that why didn't is it? Interest me at all. Like, why I was thought... it split into parts? I was kind of a bit like, well, that's just adding extra runtime for title cards for no reason because there was no reason for it to be split into five or. Okay, so the reason they've set it into chapters is it's your previously on Zack Snyder's Snyderverse, so that people can watch it in segments and in break and take breaks. Okay, well, if if that was the case, so people can yeah, can just you? literally pause it and go for a piss and come yeah. back, then, okay, fine, I get it. But aside from that, if it wasn't, and they were just that put was. in for, for 100% just... 100% done that way. Yeah, uh, all right, okay, okay, okay. Let this one go. I will. <laughs> I'll right, let you so, win that one. Definitely feels like a new film, though, right? And, you know, it begins with a much more sombre pace. Of course, you've got your standard Zack Snyder slow-motion musical montages. Um, I really didn't need almost five minutes of some girl singing in Iceland. Looking at the sea. That was a bit, yeah, I, that was a bit odd. But I, I was waiting for Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams to turn up and get some ya-ya ding-dong going. Fire saga to turn up. As we get back into it again, Wonder Woman's intro this time was much, much better done. Oh, Wonder Woman's a badass. That whole Banks fight sequence was done 
so so much oh, that was awesome I mean, she's like darting around, like teleporting. I don't think anything new was really filmed there. I just, from what I gather, it was just used the alternate takes. Because again, Snyder did not use a single frame of what Joss Whedon filmed. And of course, so there's multiple takes, different cuts and all that. And I guess, you know, being a proper director, you've got great coverage. You can go, okay, I want an angle, I want an angle. But for me, the single best part about the scene was at the end where she she go, he goes to the, this wasn't in the original version, he goes to the little girl. You can do anything you want. It's a really nice, sweet little moment with, you know, Wonder Woman being that beacon of, you know. Well, admittedly, though. That where I, when I was watching that after all of that, I found that a little bit too cheesy. No, I liked it, man. I was like, ah, oh, that's good, yeah. She does get the message wrong slightly as she has just murdered a bunch of people i mean it's not explicitly shown right but as we're in a snyder film when she exploded a bunch of guys through a wall and they're laying on the pavement pretty sure they're dead and then she goes to the little girl oh by the way when you grow up you can murder bad guys too that's literally what i was about to say like yeah. all these kids are now just gonna be scarred for life after seeing someone <laughs> blown up in front of them like, no mummy i want to throw a guy through a wall and make his head explode too but, you know, difference between Snyder's directing her and Patty Jenkins directing her, I guess. So. Wonder Woman's... I, oh, I love her. The, her entrance in Batman vs Superman was the best thing about Batman vs Superman, where she comes in and looks... In the electric heart. Why, oh, she's the ultimate badass. Well, I mean, that, that's what always made me laugh at the end of Batman Superman, where... Like, Wonder Woman's fully, like, holding her own, you know, against uh, Doomsday. And Batman's just zipping around in his craft, like, firing the odd missile and trying not to get murdered. So, first of all, the first big action scene that I thought that was really well done and re-edited and a million times better than the original cut was where Steppenwolf gets, goes over to Firmaskira and to try and steal the mother box. And now, that was so much better than what we saw in the original cut of the film. You know, Connie Nielsen got a lot more to do. She got to be much more badass in it. In that Firmaskira, like, fight sequence, in, in the original one, didn't they sort of just teleport in and be like, thank you for this, and then teleport out again? That was kind of the entire fight <laughs> sequence, right? And, but yeah, but I mean, in this one, and, and it's the first time where we got to sort of see the difference between his, um, his armour. He's kind of just wearing a stupid little helmet, and he had, like, a really shit CGI body, and it was just fucking pants. But in this one, he's got a CGI sort of... Probably chucked a bit of money at his CGI because he did look like a giant hammer, didn't he? Yeah, we got to see how his armor sort of worked and how it actually was beneficial. It wasn't just cool because well, he was having really spears thrown at him and it was getting smashed. I did. I thought I liked that. It was much like if you if you look at how he looked in the, the <clears> other <throat> Justice League to how he looked in this one, it's it's like night and day. It's so much better. But then uh, before we get to our next big action scene, after that we then cut. Well, Bruce being a bit crap at trying to recruit everyone to the team, he literally fails everyone he goes to talk to. So, I mean, there could have been a better way of scripting that in, and you know. Yeah, he's not very charismatic, is he? He's sort of comes over. I mean, I, as we know, Affleck wasn't really feeling it when he was doing this role. So, uh, there's not many different. If you think about it, there's really not many differences between the Age of Hero scene in this film and the uh, Avengers in Infinity War big battle scenes, right? So, if you think about it, on the base level, they're exactly the same idea. So, so you've got your mother boxes versus your infinity stones. And both films have intergalactic warlords that want to conquer and destroy the universe using magical MacGuffins. So when you've got your infinity box mother stones, it's basically the same idea. The Avengers worked because it was fun and Whedon did a good job balancing all those characters. Snyder had to introduce a shitload of characters, backstory, flashbacks, and all these other characters into one film. And, uh, you know, this tone and the dark, violent tone doesn't really work for it. Uh, Marvel, MCU, had, what, 22 films to build up? Over the, 10 uh, years. And, yeah, to build up what the whole Infinity Stones were. Like, they, we've seen them dotted about. Aside from the Soul Stone, we've seen them all dotted about in every other film. The Age of Heroes battle scene, I thought was... Do you know what? We know Zack Snyder did the 300, right? So what you get is this amazing fantasy 
Lord of the Rings Two Towers crossed with 300 awesome battle scene. So first of all, we actually get to see Darkseid fighting on Earth. Also, we get to see him getting his ass kicked and and defeated and loses, which was I thought that was cool because you know yeah because because I had to, I thought watching that I was like well hang on a second why was he meant to be scared about Darkseid when he's just got his ass kicked by all these other people and there's like oh okay he was like he was like a teenager at this point okay now he's an adult he's a proper bad well, well you did have that Lord of the Rings vibe as well right because you got your Amazonians you got your Atlanteans and then you've got your like your gods like Ares shit man we even saw a Green Anthons so you're not thinking okay, okay there's Zeus and Ares oh they were so yeah. Good. That was cool, man. I was like, I want more of this, please. I, I'd very happily like to see um, Zack Snyder do a Greek Odyssey gods film. That would be awesome. Give me that, Zack Snyder, please. That that was that was done so well because it didn't just look like your typical um, wave of CGI enemies that you don't give a shit about. It looked like a proper battle sequence <clears throat> that was made. Like, yeah, it was done. It was done well. It was done as good as like you said. Having said that, with Darkseid though, despite all the CGI, he still looks a little bit like a troll. I mean, and he's still crap compared to Thanos. Thanos makes us understand why he thinks he's doing the right thing. Well, we get absolutely no motivation or character depth for Darkseid. It's just pure garbage exposition. I mean, we have this explanation about the mother boxes. That's crap. And then he's doing all of this because he needs the mother boxes. So he needs one magical MacGuffin to get another magical MacGuffin, which is, yeah, that's it. The math sequence, the anti-life equation. I mean, Christ, math sucks anyway. So I mean, the villain, the ultimate villain is maths, apparently. It's an equation. I mean, Christ, you might as well get Matt Damon in here to fix it and there wouldn't have been a problem. You know, Goodwill Hunting versus Darkseid. How'd you like them apples, Darkseid, motherfucker? Um, anyway, so, um, I mean, yeah. I think you're being a bit harsh on uh, Darkseid. Matt Damon? A- oh, no, 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 no. Because, like... Dude, he's got nothing. He's just, he's a big CGI head. Yeah, so he is bad for being bad, right? He hasn't given, been given any character depth or backstory, but that was one of the main reasons why people hate Steppenwolf was because he didn't get any backstory. In this one, no, he's not, he's not, don't say he's just got a little, he's got, he's got a genuine reason for what he's... What? What, what is, what is Darkseid's reason? So he fucked up with Darkseid at some point, right? In, in the past, and he's trying to, like... Right, what's Darkseid's... I'm not, I'm not fussed about Steppenwolf now. Steppenwolf has gone from main villain to lackey now. Lackey who screwed up. That's his, that's his character arc. And then he finds... Steppenwolf his... is still the main villain of this of the story. Even though Darkseid's the one that's sort of overseeing everything, we don't actually see him... Aside from when he uh, loses the, the fight sequence against Zeus and, and, and all that. Um, yeah. yeah, we don't see him fight yeah. at all. Yeah, he's a Ronan the Accuser, basically. With Thanos in the background. Except Ronan the Accuser was much cooler. Not great. He wasn't brilliant, but he was still he's still better than Steppenwolf. Okay, I, I'll give you one. I'll give I'll give Steppenwolf a little bit of love because I thought his fight against Aquaman was really good, and the whole thing with him looking like a uh, hammerhead shark. Well, that works when you're in the water, right? So that was pretty cool. I, I thought again, and that was another action scene that I didn't really make an impact the first time, but this time I thought, oh, this is really cool, man. That worked really well. What I was saying about uh, Darkseid not having the character development is, if we give if we give him character development, we're going to put on like what another thirty minutes onto the runtime, and that's why this fundamentally still doesn't work, even as a four-hour film, because you you still got too much to do. You got walls of exposition because he is that overarching like villain that's just sort of looking over everything. I feel like they get away with not giving him that. I feel like they they don't. Yeah, if there was going to be another film, but there isn't going to be another film. Yeah, I know, I know. Because there's not another film, it doesn't work. In interviews, Snyder has said he intended to actually make five films. Uh, Superman was the first one. Then Batman versus Superman was going to be the second one, and then Justice League one and two were going to be split over two films, clearly. And then there was going to be a fifth final film. So his trilogy, as he called it, was going to be five films. So first of all, 
bad at maths. And uh, he had some pretty bizarre ideas of how he wanted to get there. And if you Google Zack Snyder, Snyderverse, future interviews online, you can read all the bizarre ideas. The reason this still doesn't work for me is, even with a four-hour running time, he spends a lot of time setting up stuff for films we're not going to get. If you know you're not going to get those films, you don't need it. Uh, you just don't need it. But we could argue around this point for ages, so let's get back onto some other things. So what about the treatment of The Flash and Cyborg in the film now, who were basically shortchanged and had to be introduced. Yeah, in comparison, it's absolutely smashed it, this film. I mean, Cyborg's, Cyborg's the what, emotional driver for the entire film. <sighs> is he, though? He, 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 like, if you compare Cyborg to The Flash and uh, Aquaman, who... Well, I don't, think that, I don't think there is any emotional drive to the film. Right, who were all, who were all new characters, because Aquaman didn't have his own film at this point, if you're going back to 2017. Yeah, because he was just Aquabro at this point. Cyborg, The Flash, and Aquaman were the three superheroes that were introduced in this film. Cyborg was the one, that proper in-depth backstory that was given to him. And it, it was the emotional driver. He was basically Cyborg's film, almost, oh. but with everyone else. It was. It was Cyborg's film, but, but with the other superheroes, just like, yeah, we're here too, we need to help. What, what about happened to Wonder Woman, who's the greatest badass and the best of them all? She, yeah, no, she was still. So how was it suddenly Cyborg's film? So it was Cyborg that was driving the entire film. Cyborg's, it was Cyborg's narrative driving the film. No. Well, how, did, how did Flash's narrative drive the film? Tell me, tell me what happened in Flash's well, Flash narrative. Saved, tell Flash... me what happened in Aquaman's narrative. None of them had any narratives, man, because they were completely underwritten. It was just action scene after action scene. Uh, the only difference, really, between this and the original cut was the original cut had really bad one-liners that Joss Whedon filmed and put in and cheesy reaction shots. This one, Snyder cut all that crap out, but it's just dull and slow still. It's still, we're dark, we kill people, it's not great. You know, I just... I just Yeah, but do you want to have quick, witty, like, funny MCU-style movies, or do you want something... No, because like it doesn't work... I, I do like... I, I do want quick... But it doesn't work with Snyder's style, which is why the first film was such a disaster. This is better, but for me, the characters are still paper thin. There's no, you know, there isn't... I didn't feel an emotional character... It depends depends on what you're talking about. If you're comparing from the first film, it's like you can't compare them to the first. The first film, there was literally nothing to go off. There's not much more in this one. There's so much more. Yeah, he gets a couple of more scenes, man. He gets Uh, a a couple of more scenes. He gets like an (sighs) extra... He gets like an hour's more add to the runtime of just like... And how much of that, and honestly, I can barely remember any of it because it made next to no impact on me. The one bit of Cyborg I can remember is when he give, that nice moment when he gives he uses his powers to give the family some money. The rest of the time, he's just moping around and being miserable, like every other superhero. What about the relationship dynamic that happened with his dad? Yeah, we've seen it before, man. I've, I, I, I've just said we've seen it before. It doesn't mean that it wasn't in the film. Yeah, but it wasn't done and well. And it wasn't driving the film as a narrative. It wasn't driving the film as a narrative. What was what, no. was? what was? Nothing was driving it. It was just action scene, cut to next action scene. Action scene, look a bit miserable, go to the next action scene. And that's fine. If you got that, do you know what, dude? dude cyborg if you got that. And, and Steppenwolf coming, like something's coming, we need to prepare hey, for it. Do you know that, what? Was what, that was what was driving the film. If you, got, if you got that from the film, great. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. But for me, no, it didn't work. <laughs> so we're going to... we're gonna, we're going to leave that on that one because we've still got shit to get through in this film. Uh, so let's go on. I think I think we're going to. I think we've essentially worked our way to the ending here now. I will say one thing I liked at the ending was: Do you remember in the original cut you had the really annoying Russian family they kept cutting back to? Yeah. Well, Whedon did that literally because he did the exact same scene in Age of Ultron when they were in Sokovia, except you had Hawkeye helping there, and in this version you had the Flash helping. I think 
people want this film to succeed. People want the Snyderverse back. And some for really good reasons and some for terrible reasons, which we'll get into later. On the good side of it, right, we all know that Snyder had to leave the film halfway through because of a, a death in a family, unfortunately. And at the time, Snyder wasn't very well liked. People didn't like his previous uh, films. So when he went and Joss Whedon came in, who was riding high from the first Avengers, not so much from Age of Ultron, but everyone was like, it's okay, he's a guy, he's going to make it less... Well, and this goes to what we just said. Whedon's going to make it funny. He's, he's going to make it less dark and serious and moody. And he did, but he made it shit. And it's funny how time has... And as obviously, as we know, Joss Whedon's fallen from grace quite a bit in the last uh, year or so. And I think people have got behind Snyder a lot more because... Again, the way he's handled it all, he's you know he's said the right things, he's done the right things. No one had a bad word to say about him from behind the scenes on the film. I think it's gone from Weeding being the saviour of the film to suddenly not everyone going, no, do you know what? Get, let Snyder, because that piece of shit, we want to see what Snyder could do. And uh, from that, though, there's loads of other issues behind the scenes as well, not just involving the directors. Affleck at the time had some pretty serious issues to do with alcoholism, and he said that you know if he kept playing Batman, it might have killed him. That interview's out there, which you can find. Ray Fisher called out Joss Whedon on racism on the set, and he also attacked Warner Brothers for not doing anything about it. Oh, and of course, Amber Heard, suddenly she's English in this film, and not English in any other films. (laughs) But again, there's rumours out there that she's been let go from Aquaman 2. We can't find anything confirming that, but there are loads of stories saying, oh, speculation. So it's speculated that she's been let go from that. So if you look at all this thing, I think a lot of people wanted the film to succeed because you feel sorry for these people. They've had a load of shit go on in their personal life. So you want to... I mean, you, yeah, you made the point earlier when we were talking off... People wanted the film to succeed. I don't necessarily think it's because of all of those, those reasons. reasons. Yeah, I think not a lot of people will actually know a lot of those reasons. I don't, like, I don't know. I think if you're a Snyderverse fan and you, you want the Snyderverse, you know all this stuff. You viewer wouldn't know that. And I think your average viewer still wanted this film to succeed because they wanted the uh, DCU and Justice League to, uh, to stand for something, you know, to stand up and like actually present something that was decent and what the thing is as we've mentioned earlier snyder had planned for five films and you've got all this snyderverse restore the snyderverse bullshit going on online now and these dickheads are reviewing review bombing any warner brothers film like fucking godzilla versus kong just because all with the hashtag restore the snyderverse an executive from warner brothers and sarnoff said categorically look we're happy that he could bring his cut of the Justice League to life because that wasn't the plan until even about a year ago. And with that comes the completion of the trilogy. So that is, boom, book shut. Thanks, Zack Snyder. It was nice working with you on this. Probably work with you on some other stuff, but we don't want to continue this Justice League storyline. We'll let the characters go off and do the other things. But Snyder, I, I, I can admire it. And also I think it's a bit bad at the same time. There's two sides on the same argument. So he got given 75 million to finish the film did he finish the film or did he film an extra 25 minutes of new shit on the end to basically pitch to make his other two movies because he knows that scene is going to rile up his fan base and go yeah we want this we would that's what he was doing he didn't want to rile oh. up the fan base he didn't want of course he, he does I R- he, might, he base... might have wanted people to be like oh i really want to see the next film but i don't yeah. think he, he didn't want you can't say that he wanted people to like to be toxic i didn't say that at all did i i said he he wanted to rile up his fan base because by riling up the fan base that got this film made that got him his chance to finish justice league snyder himself and everyone connected with the studio has said we don't condone these dickheads you know that's me paraphrasing but we don't condone these absolute muppets who 
are just man babies crying about, I want that film. No, they were like, fuck off. We don't want to be associated with anyone who does that. But at the same time, instead of finishing the film and making it properly, he swung for the fences. And you can't tell me the part of Snyder thought, right, I'm going to do this bit at the end where we've got Batman. We're going to bring in the Joker that everyone hated. So we're going to redeem uh, Leto's Joker. And we're going to sit in the future. I I didn't mind that, to be honest. But I, what was the point of it? We know we're not going to get... We know. I know that we're not going to see anything, but I didn't mind... No, I didn't mind seeing Jared Leto and Batman, Ben Affleck, uh, Batflick, having that dynamic because we're not going to see it again and we weren't going to see it. <laughs> so why do we need to see it now? Because it's not going to go anywhere. The film should have just ended. I know, it's the whole pointless. nightmare sequence and everything like that where it's going to build to something else. I get I get a lot of people's criticisms where they're annoyed that it's not going to lead anywhere. The nightmare sequence and everything like that and what they're building towards that, yeah, 100%. That, that, he wanted to go somewhere with that. But how those two characters interacted in that moment... Oh, was, no, it's rubbish. I, I, I liked it because I wanted to see them two characters interact. You you wanted to see Ben Affleck's Batman and Jared Leto's Joker share a scene together? Yeah. I didn't. I did. I did. I'd rather see Robert Pattinson's Batman and... Hawking Phoenix's Joker show because he's together. the best Batman, or he's definitely not the best Joker. But I just <laughs> wanted to see that happen. Why? Do you have to have a reason? Yeah. Well, if you're going to say I wanted to see it, what's the reason you wanted to see it? Because I feel like I've got you on the ropes here, David. I'm rearing up for the knockout. <laughs> well, you wanted to see Batman and the no, Joker I didn't. in a scene together at some point, surely? Because it had nothing to do with the rest of the film. Yeah, but regardless of the rest, of the not that Batman and not that Joker. Oh, okay. Well, I think a lot of people would. Have. No, I think you're wrong. But that's a good thing. We've got different opinions and we can disagree about stuff. Okay, so yeah, I mentioned Snyder had some pretty bizarre ideas of how he's going to get there. So one of these ideas, right, by the time when we see this epilogue at the end, we've got a red-eyed evil Superman going around. And apparently the, the reason he's evil is because Lois Lane died. Uh, also, she was pregnant at some point, And uh, also, apparently, for some reason, Bruce Wayne slept with her and he actually... and. <laughs> Lois's kid at some point, who it's not even alluded to in this. I mean, that's terrible. And this is where he was going to go that with this. That sounds like a bollocks interview, because that sounds so bad. No, he laid out exactly where these other two films were going to go. We found out that Lois Lane was pregnant at the end of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So there's yeah. this whole, like, oh, congratulations and everything like that between them. And she's like, oh, she's pregnant. Okay, cool. But, the, but Bruce Wayne having been... Did they even have a scene together? <laughs> I don't know I remember. If that, like, if, that, if that was genuinely how we wanted to go with that... I'm assuming he would have t- changed the timing around a little bit in it. Like what would? Yeah, like what would that? It just made it would have made absolutely. It, I can't see how in any way that. Would but here's here's the thing, Roy. If he knew that and he did that all the way back in what film was that? In? Was that in Batman vs Superman? Lois Lane is a key. So we know his plan was we're going to have evil Superman roaming around under the control of maps via Darkseid. Right, that's where he wants to get to for the last film, and do this team up with the Joker and Batman. And I feel sorry for a. Uh, Joe Mangliallo as was he was he Deathstroke. Deathstroke, Deathstroke, yeah. I mean, his you could give him his character his own movie and put him into something else. Because I feel sorry, sorry for that because he didn't really have a lot to do. But um, what was the point of doing that twenty five minutes in the end? He could have done a nice, he could have done a nice little bit setting up where he thought each character was going to go instead of just doing a scene of them all in this near future. Because essentially, all he's done is taking a nightmare scene that was intercut before and stuck it at the end of the film with a bit more exposition on it. Yeah, I and, mean, I did, I didn't hate okay. it as much as you did, but hate's a strong word. The reason I don't like it, and I don't think we need it, and it's pointless, is one, we know we're not going to get those films, and two, if you read that interview with Snyder, and you see what it was setting up, it sounds, why did you do this? And like you say, the studio gave him the money to finish the film, and he didn't finish it, he tried to get another, he tried to, like you say, get the fans to go, oh no, we want them more, and now we're getting all this Snyderverse bullshit. And we'll get on to one more bit in that, so, okay, my final thoughts are, 
on this on the Sinoverse, it's it's a massive improvement over Whedon's version. You can't argue with Snyder's flair and style. It's definitely a taste. I'm not a Snyder hater. I love Watchmen. I think his Dawn of the Dead's absolutely amazing. You like you uh, like Watchmen. I loved Watches Watchmen. I liked I was, Watchmen as well. I yeah. thought I thought I was the only one. No, no. What I thought Watchmen was brilliant. I loved it. I thought it was really good. Sucker Punch was a pile of shit. Three hundred, I could give or take. But it comes down to my main issue with Justice League is that I don't like the treatment of Snyder Gibbs' characters. I don't like the fact that Batman tortures people and beats them up all the time. I don't like the fact that Superman kills Zod. Um, and it's the whole, oh, we're dark and torture characters thing that he does. And it worked great when he did it in Watchmen, because that's how the characters were. But it doesn't work in a P... Well, I know it's not PG anymore, but these characters traditionally aren't these type of characters superman should be like you know truth justice in the american way it should be that should be that he shouldn't be killing people and having dark tortured emo superman it just didn't work for me so my problem goes back to his treatment of the characters in the previous two films and the way he carries it onto this it it, it's just boring in places for me i don't feel that emotional attachment to the characters because i don't like what he's done with the characters having said that as like i say uh the action scenes have been massively improved in it and it's, it's not... Do you know what? If I had to give it a rating out of five, I would say... I'd give it three out of five. So I'd give it a four out of five. I liked it quite a lot. I've So I've never disliked Zack Snyder's... How he's approached the DCU. I've I've never... I liked Man of Steel. I, I actually liked Batman vs Superman, even though everyone fucking hated on it. I didn't mind it. Some of it was shit, like Martha. But... Um, oh, God, Martha. The director's cut was a massive improvement. I will give him but that. I, so I didn't, so everything where you're saying like, oh, you don't like how dark and dreary and like, it's all got like how all this superpower, how it deals with the morality of man and everything like that. I don't mind that side of it because it's a nice change from what we see from MCU. But then when David Ayer's suicide squad came <clears> into <throat> it, it was all, it just, it just messed everything. That's, that's where the DCU just completely fell flat for me. So I think that finishes up our, uh, heated debate shall we say about Zack Snyder's Justice League and you know from what we've heard from DC exec Anne Sarnoff she's pretty much pulled cold water on a prospect of continuing the Snyderverse by saying as we said with that comes the completion of his trilogy so in other words there should be no more Snyderverse to deal with if you think about it purely from a a business and a uh, DC point of view and a Warner Brothers point of view why would you want to continue to make a film in that series taking into account that Right, so at the end of the film where we have the epilogue, Ben Affleck is not coming back to do Batman again. He's, you know, he said the role almost killed him. So Affleck's gone. Uh, Amber Heard potentially has been fired from Aquaman 2, and she was being set up to be a main character. Everyone hated Jared Leto's Joker, despite him really wanting to do it. If you're going to do Jared Leto's Joker, give him his own film and try and do that, if you're going to do a parallel universe thing, and let him try to do it. Because I do feel sorry for the guy, because he is a cracking actor. What, but... what, we, what you saw of the Joker in the... I know you said that you didn't like that whole sequence, but what you There's saw no of the Joker... In, yeah, okay, but what, what you saw of him in that one was like 50 times better than what you saw of Jared well, Leto's yeah, Joker. Different, different director. Yeah. And, and also, um, don't forget, Ray Fisher has been calling out all these executives for alleged impropriety at um, Warner Brothers as well. So do you honestly think they're going to work with him again on something? And so you've essentially got issues with five of your main cast members there if you were trying to continue to do this film. There's no chance in hell that, that Warner Brothers want to continue this. They want to be free and clear of all this mess. And actually some of this shit that's happened with this has actually impacted other projects. That we're going to talk about coming up now in our final part of our show where we're going to get on to 
the future of the DCU. And I think what they need to do is not worry about trying to interconnect everything like Marvel did. Just make good films and then link them slightly. Don't have to... They need to have a Kevin Feige, essentially, at DC. They need someone to sit there with the big whiteboard and go, right, this is where we're going to go. If this film works, we get to this one. If this one works, we go to this. Then we can have these two go to these ones. Uh, so, what is the future of the DCU? Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the next film we're going to see is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. And we've already covered that in depth earlier in the show. I'm massively looking forward to it. And I appreciate the trailer not giving away too much. Uh, the banner seems good between the characters. And the fact that it's R-rated, I can't wait. I'm, I'm, that is one of the films I'm looking forward to most this year. Boobs! That's, I feel like I that's what was going on in your head there. <laughs> it's going to be heads exploding left, right and centre, man. And if you watch some early James Gunn stuff like Sliver, with him, James Gunn unfettered, man, is going to be class. So then we're going to have the Batman from Cloverfield's Matt Reeves. Or the Batman. Or the, the, the. I've forgotten which word is a proper one. Anyway, we're getting the Batman from Cloverfield's Matt Reeves starring Robert Pattinson. And this was originally designed for Ben Affleck. Um, it's going to be starring Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, and Paul Dano, I'm assuming, going to be awesome as the Riddler. And there was a very short trailer that dropped online a little while ago, but we know they're still filming over here in England at the minute. But what we're going to be getting from the sounds of things is much more of a noir detective story with Batman already established in the city, so we don't have to go through all this origin bullshit again. Martha doesn't need to be killed in an alley for a fifth time or sixth time or God knows how many times. Yeah, yeah. we should also say that this isn't this. That's a DC film, but it's not a DCU film. That's not going to be connected to uh, the no. DCU well, in any way. It was initially. Here's, here's the thing, right? I think I'm going to refer to these films as DCU because they're DC films, and they are some of them are going to share links i mean what people at dc really want to do and i don't think it's going to happen is it depending on the success of uh pattinson's batman they want pattinson's batman to cross paths with uh joaquin phoenix's joker but i don't see it working because they're completely different films and i feel like joaquin's joker is a one and done because i mean they're offering them so much money to come back and do it and they keep turning it down yeah it was yeah i know i know but like you, you just want to see more of his joker because it was well, so good comparison and, to you know, fucking Lattos. And, and pattinson pattinson has developed into a brilliant actor over the last couple of years i mean uh, how much shit he got in his early days for being the pretty boy in harry potter and then fucking twilight man but do you know what he did straight after twilight he went he goes and works with david lynch he goes and works with some of the best out there indie directors and i don't think he's done anything commercial or franchisey at all since uh, so for him to step back in, it must have been a good script, man. It must have been a good pitch to him to get him to come yeah, back for this, it. This, this Batman, this DC um, Batman is one of the... I've I'm, I'm not looked forward to a DC film this much since maybe Batman vs. Superman and the hype that was coming up between that. Not Birds of Prey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, the, maybe, maybe Batman vs. Superman. I haven't looked forward to a DC film this much since Batman vs. Superman. Well, I mean, and they're planning for the long game with this as well, because uh, HBO Max is also going to be doing a Gotham crime TV show spin-off from uh, this iteration of the Batman. And from what I've heard is some of the minor actors in the film are going to be the key characters in the TV show. And it's bizarre because we literally just had a Gotham TV show, which, again, its original idea, idea was going to be we're going to focus on, like, the police and the crime in Gotham and it's going to be, like, a gritty wire, the Wire-style show. And it was never that, man. The... the Gotham, when it was good, was great, but it, sometimes it felt like you were watching a 60s Batman because sometimes it was camp and bizarre. And when it was good, it was good, and it's really good sometimes. The guy who played uh, their version of the Joker was amazing. 
but then other times it was complete crap and like it had that hero syndrome where from episode to episode you couldn't remember wait does this character have powers wait is this character a good guy or a bad guy oh i don't care because it's so badly written now heroes is awesome first season and then yeah that was it Anyway, yeah, we're not talking about heroes because yeah, that's enough. That's all it gets. It was really good in season one. And season one, amazing. Don't watch it after that. It ends. But so this HBO Max Gotham show they're working on, originally, I, and I was really, oh, do you know, I was almost as excited for the TV show as a movie because originally Terrence Howard, who was a showrunner of The Sopranos, was going to be working on it. Now, that's a perfect fit, right? He knows gangsters and crime. You have that guy doing a Gotham show. But unfortunately, he's left. And I think we're quite, we're definitely both looking forward to the Batman and the potential show that's coming from it. Oh, that was it. Yeah, the guy who did Gui Haji, Joe Barton, he's taken over now. So that's still, that was actually a gangster show dealing with uh, Japanese gangsters. So uh, again, as long as you've got someone who's got a good crime TV background doing it uh, and um, Matt Reeves and that team overseeing it, then I'm, I'm quite hopeful about the Batman. Next then, for the following summer, prepare for Black Adam starring The Rock as a titular anti-hero. Now, that film's confirmed to also debut the Justice Society of America. So we're getting away from the League, we're getting into the Society. Then that's going to feature characters like Atom Smasher, Dr. Fate, uh, Hawkman, who, come on, I can't wait to see a good Hawkman, and Cyclone. So um, I don't really know much about this, except uh, Black Adam is closely associated with Shazam, and he's one of the villains slash anti-heroes in those comics yeah he's yeah yeah, and he's gonna obviously cross over with shazam at some point well and this is why i called them dcu films because that brings us nicely to shazam 2 fury of the gods now i love shazam i thought it was really underrated at the time because it did well but it didn't take that large 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 super amount of money that and i mean zachary levy i loved him since chuck back in the day chuck was a brilliant show where he played a guy who worked in a computer store and got a computer put in his head and then he's like i know kung fu and you could literally it was like a whole matrix thing but that was a brilliant show that was awesome and he he was actually in um the early four films playing one of the uh, warriors three and got very little to do so he fucked off to dc and got a lead role like why wouldn't you uh but he, this is essentially tom hanks big Instead, but instead of turning into an adult man, you turn into an adult man who's a superhero. So I loved it, man. Um, how unfortunately, though, the earliest we can expect this film is now twenty twenty three. Yeah, oh, that's a long way off. The kid, the kid in that, he's gonna. Would he even be a kid anymore? Yeah, might have to de-age him or just recast. Because <laughs> um, Shazam, Shazam, though, is, yeah, it's definitely it's like probably the second best in my opinion. Wonder Woman number one, number yeah. two, Shazam. As DCU, I'm not, I'm not getting to the ranking because I'd have to think about it more than that. Uh, yeah, so next up we got the Flash, which, as we mentioned in our news section, Andy Machete's Flash. Uh, hopefully, we're going to see that towards the end of next year. Now uh, we're going to get Aquaman two. Hopefully, next Christmas. Uh, I really enjoyed the first Aquaman, and clearly it was good enough to get the sequel set up. Uh, there is a bit of speculation that Amber Heard might not be coming back, which could be a slight issue as she was the female lead of the first movie. Any casting potential for her, David? Maybe uh, Amelia Clark and Jason Momoa on screen again? Maybe, maybe you want to see that? No, I, I don't want to see that. No, maybe I don't see that. I want to see Amber Heard. I want to just see Amber Heard continue the role. I don't know why. I don't know why the speculation that she'd be leaving aside from all the court issues and stuff that she's had. Over that's the- literally at the court. She's had- well, I that- yeah, I get it, but like- that's why. Yeah, but if you have personal and court issues, that probably might stop you doing a film. But if she's if she's going to get recast, um, let's not have it be Amelia Clark. Has she, well, let's face it, has she done a decent performance since Game of Thrones season like five? Uh, no, man. I, I I'm hoping she does. She's got a bit of Orlando Bloom syndrome at the moment, hasn't she? 
she was good in that role, and then I'm waiting for anything else. Wonder Woman 3 is going to be next, and that's going to be interesting to see how the mixed reaction to Wonder Woman 1984 might affect the storylines for Wonder Woman 3. Uh, it has been fast-tracked because apparently Wonder Woman 84 has been a success, but it's kind of hard to gauge a film's success these days. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> well, uh, they fast-tracked it because they said it was successful. But there has been no box office because it was released on HBO Max on demand on uh, Christmas Day. Director Patty Jenkins. It's funny because, like, I wasn't, a, I really wasn't a big fan of Wonder Woman uh, two myself, and uh, we, we'll get into that on a, maybe another podcast when you've had a chance to watch it yourself. Yeah, I know. I have, uh, I, I, like I said, I love Wonder Woman. I don't know why I didn't clamour to see this when it came out initially. Yeah. I just haven't seen. Is it because you heard people say, "Oh, it's not that good"? I think I think I heard you say it wasn't that good, and then I was initially, and then I was like, oh, I mean, do I want to ruin yeah. it? Do I want to ruin Wonder Woman? Well, watching the film will do that for you. Anyway, the question is, will Patty Jenkins be working on this first or her new Star Wars film, Rogue Squadron, instead? So, we don't know. But, with the news of all these DC films coming out, there's actually a sad bit of news that they've cancelled two projects that were in development. Now, James Wan was going to do an Aquaman spin-off, The Trench, which was going to be a mid-to-low-budget horror film about, well, The Trench characters and beasts. Now, that seems to me like a winner, right? You can easily tie it into the later Aquaman films. It's not going to cost a whole bunch of money. One doesn't have to direct it. He can produce and shepherd, you know, an upcoming young filmmaker, director, writer for it. And the low budget for it, why wouldn't you give it? Because if it works, it ties into your, your future stuff. If yeah, it that sounds you... more like a horror. Yeah, yeah it is. That would be right up James Wan Street. I mean, that's, yeah, that's but... got James Wan written all over it. I wouldn't want him to produce that. Straight up work on it, direct it. Well, again, I don't know whether he was originally going to direct it or he was just producing it. But anyway, it's been cancelled. So, end of. And unfortunately, Justice League has directly impacted another project that was due out. Ava DuVernay of 13th and now when when they see us, that great uh, Netflix drama about the Central Park kids a little uh, that came out last year. So, she this was her she spent almost a year writing a new gods film for DC. The problem is one of the new gods is Darkseid. Where we were where I was arguing about um, Snyder's way of doing her, her films were dark and serious, right? And I didn't like that. You need a proper drama director who's got proper skills of getting awesome performances from the actors to direct one of these films. That's Duvernay. She, if you got her to do and treat one of these classic comic book storylines, it comes down to she's a better writer director than Snyder, right? So she, her take on Dark Side is clearly going to be amazing compared to what we got. And the problem is DC, have, I think DC want to get as far away from the Snyderverse stuff as they can now. And the problem is if you have a film come out in the next year or two with Darkseid again, it's just going to kick up all this, oh, Snyderverse, Snyderverse, Snyderverse. Although you know, I don't think it would to a point because I think if DuVernay was allowed to do it, people would be like, nah, shit, this is the one we wanted to see. This is like really good. So I think they've said they want to come back to it. So... I just think you've got to wait for all this restore, restore the Snyderverse hubbub to calm down, and then we might finally get a proper Darkseid. I mean, here's the thing. If you do a New Gods film, you're going to get a proper history of Darkseid. You're going to get a Thanos origin story of Darkseid done by a fucking quality director. That's what you want. Basically, you don't cancel any projects you have with Ava DuVernay. That's insane, right? So I can't believe they did that, to be fair. I'm, I'm actually more annoyed about that than the Snyderverse thing, because... But having said that, Marvel might actually be doing that, might have their kind of version of this kind of thing coming out, right? Because you've got Chloe Zhao's um, The Eternals coming out later this year, and the early word on that is it's absolutely unlike anything you've seen before. So again, you've got this much stronger director coming in who can do that kind of drama, 
And yeah, I'm, re- I'm really excited for that as well now. Yeah, like you said, Neil, if you get a really strong Oscar caliber director to get like proper performances from people, maybe going down that whole route that Zack Snyder decided to go down, it would have maybe come out a little bit, a little bit better with better performances. Yeah. A better direction. Potentially. But then again, Zack Snyder had his, he's, you know, he's certainly got his image and it, whether it works or not, yeah. whether it works or not for you, you know, it's Marmite, I guess. And the fact that that's been cancelled after a year, she's working on that a year. Yeah, man, yeah. that's really shit. So with David's shit, that's about all the time we have here on this week's episode of We Needed Road. On our next episode, we're going to be taking a look at Apple TV shows, Servant and Calls. That's very two different shows, not Servant Calls. Uh, one is called Servant, one is called Calls, both on Apple TV. Also, I'm going to be extolling the greatness of Line of Duty and telling David why he should get it in his veins now, as the kids say. Uh, not Smack, just Line of Duty. <laughs> Line of Duty is now the new intervener's job. Pretty much. If you, go on, if you go on Twitter on a Sunday night around 10 o'clock when it's finished, it's just gif after gif after gif. Also, David, I'm going to force you at gunpoint, if need be, as we now work in the same office, to watch uh, Amazon Prime's new show, Invincible which is another superhero uh, adult animation, but not in, like, the porny sense, just, like, in the, well, I can't believe they did that. Oh, they probably wouldn't be able to do that in live action. And I'm not going to say anything more about it. The first four episodes are on Amazon Prime. A new episode drops every Friday, so we'll be up to five or six by the time uh, this gets on. As long as you get the first one out of the way before we uh, do the next podcast, then I won't have to shoot you in the kneecaps. And, of course, our main event by, for next week is Godzilla vs. Kong. David, are you Team Kong or are you Team Godzilla? Team Kong. See, this this is going to be a problem because I'm also Team Kong. So, yeah, fuck that big lizard. Fuck that lizard. Okay, David's sounding 20% more gangster than I thought he ever has been in real life. Well, as I said, that's all the time we got for now. See you next time. Bye. It says David's tepid goodbye. That was quite I know. tepid. Mine was bye. I said bye, Neil. Stop trying to make me tepid. Bye.